Blog Talk Radio. I'm getting down to the sum of this. The sum of that. The sum of everything. Alright. Day 26 of Come Get Some with Miami Six, man. Chris C. here uh, with Heidi Cox. Full half hour, not much time, but let me just let you know. If you are in Michigan City, Indiana, starting next week, ex-Scientologist Kathy Schenkelberg brings you her one-woman show and her experiences, Squeeze My Cans, between August 19th through August 28th. And then after that, everybody worldwide listening, whether you're in Michigan City's area or not, you can hear Kathy Schenkelberg talking to me personally in part one of our three-part conversation about her experiences in Scientology starting in two weeks. So make sure you all check all of that out. But today is about stalking LeVar, Dweeb Darlings, and Heidi Cox. So here you go. So my next guest here today, I'm really excited about. Uh, she created her own show that I learned about. I learned about. I'm not sure the proper saying of it, but when I went to watch the Library Bards uh, on uh, XNS on YouTube, I found out about these guys. Uh, she is a an actress, a producer, a creator of her own company, the uh, founder of the Dweeb Darlings, and the uh, awesome show on YouTube, uh, Stalking Lavar, as in Lavar Burton. Uh, welcome to the show, Heidi Cox. How you doing, Heidi? Hi, thank you. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing very well, very well. I've uh, I discovered you by accident, like I said in the introduction, uh, watching uh, the Library Bards, and I said, oh, let me check out this YouTube show. And and, and I gotta Aww. say, yeah, I gotta say because I'm one of those people that has that stigma, or I had that stigma at one point, or even me wanting to be an actor. I didn't have much um, appreciation for independent film or projects, uh, so I would look at it and go, "Eh, you know, it's it's not, it's, it's not Spielberg. <laughs> I don't want to see it." Right. You know. No, I can understand that. I totally get that. Uh, but I've learned an appreciation for it over the period of time. I've become very, very, um, uh, a very big fan of a lot of the independent film now and independent um, videos. And you don't expect much from a YouTube series. Uh, and I want to say, um, I watched Stalking LeVar, which I recommend everybody sees. And I watched a few episodes. And they're only like, you know, like 8 to 13 minutes long, usually. Uh, I think the longest is, what, maybe 16 mm-hmm. minutes? Um, so the longest, oh, the longest one's probably about 8 minutes. 8 minutes, okay. So. All right, so, so I'm watching through this, and I'm going, you know, the first few episodes, I'm going, well, this is a cute concept. You know, I'm like, that's kind of funny. I'll be mistaken that guy for LeVar. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, it's okay. But then something happened near the end of the first season that just really kicked in. And I'm going, oh, there's layers to this. And it's really cleverly done. Yeah, someone picked up on it. Yay. And I hope everybody picks up on it and gives it a shot. Um, So so let me ask you, um, Dweeb Darlings came first or uh, Stalking LeVar came first? Uh, Did you create Dweeb Darlings to make that? It, 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 they both kind of came at the same time. I guess Dr. Navarre came first because it, it appeared in my mind before anything <laughs> else did. And so I, I have this concept. I, I just thought it would be funny. It was a way more simple concept than what it is now. Um, 
it was originally just like going to be like a funny little sketch with two girls and like a two shot of them. And like, they would pretty much narrate it almost like a Greek chorus of what they're seeing. Um, but it ended up becoming a little bigger because I just decided I wanted to make something. I was, I was tired of waiting around for people to cast me and stuff. Right. I was needing to, you, I'm sure you can understand. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and and I needed I needed to just create. So I had an idea, and I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna call my friend Megan. She's I've known her since I was 15 years old. She had been living in Chicago, writing sketch comedy for several years before moving to an to LA. And when she moved to LA, I wanted an excuse to hang out with her more too. So <laughs> it was just like, I, I just said, hey, do you want to help me do this? Because I had never written anything like that before. So um, right. as far as scripts go, like. And she said, sure, this sounds great. And she's like, I love LeVar. I mean, he feels like your best friend, you know. And I'm like, exactly. So we got together and we wrote the first script, and um, that was it. Like, we wrote the first script. We we figured out, like, through our resources and people, like, who we were going to cast, who was going to, like, help us shoot it, who was going to help us edit it, and we just did that. Like, So when we did that, I said to her, we need to come up with, like, a name for her for who's producing this, you know, I want it to be something like Nerd Girls, something something cute like that, and so we just kind of went through different ideas of, of like, what what's the word for nerdy, you know, there's geek, there's sweep, there's, you know, there's dork, but right. that's a little harsh, I feel like, so, so we came up with Weave Darling, we're both from the South, you know, and then, you know, um, Stephanie Pressman, um, she came in as an actress on the project, and then ended up staying on as one of our producers, um, and uh, she's also from the South, so Darling just seems to make sense to us, so, so yes. it kind of came a little bit at the same time, but I guess Blocking the Bar was, uh, was before that, so we just kind of wanted to have a brand that that creates that, because we want to create other things, too. Well, that's cool, you guys are darlings, but uh, when I think of you guys, Aww. I don't think of Dweeby, I think very cool, very slick, and and I see you, you just described to me what I suspected, I think. And I thought maybe oh, yeah. that this was like it started out like a sketch comedy thing. Um, the whole and I'm wondering if this is the progress. Did you guys have the whole situation where um, you decided after a few episodes that mistaking everybody for Levar Burton was going to get old, and you got clever with it and decided to add layers to it? And I don't mean to criticize, I'm just saying that was a very yeah. funny in the beginning. That was that was very cool. And then I saw that jet shift at the end of the first season. Yeah, um, I think it wasn't necessarily like, oh, this is, yeah, we definitely didn't want to do like, oh, who is it this week kind of thing. Right. It just so happened. We had several scripts that we ended up not even shooting that we were going to do in between episode one and two because both of those are mistaking this guy for that, whatever. Right. Um, and uh, But, but it, what ended up happening was that Megan... She a couple of the scripts that she, that we had written. Um, Megan wrote one by herself uh, that was supposed to take place in a library. It was like a children's story hour, and like we, you know, we were thinking in terms of like producers too. Were like, oh, we'd have to get a lot of kids to do this. I don't know if we really have the resources for that yet, but we should hold on to this. Right. And so I just wrote the next one that took place, you know, at the observatory and at Griffith Park, and um, yeah, I don't know. Like there was a lot of space in time between episode two and then three and four. So Megan told me one day, she just she just sat me down one day and she said, look, like, I'm 
trying to start a family. Um, I'm a little overwhelmed at the moment, and this is your baby, so I feel like you should keep going with it. But I need to, I need to step away and not be involved as much as I am right now because I've got a lot going on. And I was like, okay. So that I had like a panic attack for like <laughs> 10 minutes, and then I was like, and I was like, okay, I'll figure it out, you know. So then we came up with a funny concept of sending her a walkabout. She's finding herself. So, so if you really just think in terms of like a story, like when when a, a something that you're used to having in your life suddenly changes, it often is a catalyst for change. Like for like like you to see maybe things that have always been there, but you never noticed. So when her character essentially, you know, like inadvertently abandoned Heidi. Heidi has an opportunity to really look in the mirror and go, what am I doing? Like, why am I doing this? You know, then there's other, other people that come in that she's like, Oh, I can connect with this person and I can connect with that person. And it's just, it goes a little deeper. And and really the show becomes not really about finding LeVar Burton, but it becomes about finding out who you are, which is kind of personally what I've been going through anyway. So as, as I was growing as a person, the story continues to grow as I am growing. <laughs> See, you're you're writing it now, right? It's all you. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the most part, you know, people come in, but yeah, like I'm involved in every single script. Like the musical. Have you seen the musical? It was sure. maybe it was, it was phenomenal, and I, I wanted to talk about that yeah. in a minute. Yeah, definitely. Oh, wonderful! Thank you. Um, so the musical was a concept by me. I outlined the story, so it's more of a story by Heidi Cox, but. It was actually written dialogue, music, lyrics by Ryan Constantino, who was our director. But yeah, other than that one, I pretty much written or co-written all of them. So, and uh, you know, like Mila Yamamoto, who directed two, three, and four, she she kind of came in and co-wrote episode two with me, which is the one on the elevator. And yeah, it's fun. I mean, I I think in the future I might want to bring on even like some other writers just to get new perspectives and ideas and things like that. But, but yeah, like as I, like I was saying, as I've been growing as a person trying to find my sense of self, cause I, um, was coming out of, of, uh, an abusive relationship actually. So oh, wow. I was just trying to find, yeah, find a sense of myself and through art, it just kind of developed from there. <laughs> and oh, it's like therapy. continues to. Yes. Totally, totally like therapy. It's the best therapy for me, anyway. When you have, I highly recommend it. When you have therapy that just fits right into what you want to do for your life and for your living, that's pretty good. It's a pretty good mix. Uh, so I, I do yeah. see there seems to be a little bit of of reality influencing fiction in your show. So almost like like so, Megan Green, she um, she has a baby in real life. She has a baby on the show, and she just and, and it was a nice little yeah. sign off thing. And I won't give away everything about that, but. It actually worked out in a way that it was like, it, it kind of fit the the tone of the show, and at the same time, it right. it, it was a, it was a catalyst, and it was a, a a handing off of the show into a whole new direction that right that leaves you if you if you are somebody who has a hard time getting into an independent show, especially one that's on on YouTube, just as a regular thing, just mm-hmm. hey, I'm going to put this on YouTube and call it Weave Darling, Stark, and Lavar. It, when you see that switch, your brain starts working. You start going, "Hey, what's happening on this show?" And hey, I think I like right. it. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, yeah. There's definitely a story arc. Um, you, especially when you get into the second season, you've got to really 
you can't really miss very many of the episodes. Luckily, they're not very long, so yeah. If you you know, so it's easy to catch up if you get behind. But um, yeah, we've got two more coming out. We're actually working on those today, actually, even um, another oh, cool. two-part season finale. And but we have eight episodes from the second season up, and yeah, there's like a nice little story arc that all kind of you know in the end of the season resolves enough. <laughs> the season to end. But, um, yeah, it's it's pretty exciting. So uh, I've got to ask you, um, Heidi. Um, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, you were finishing your thought. I do apologize. No, no, that's that's it. That's all I was going to say. Well, I gotta I gotta ask you. Um, why why Lavar Burton? How did that get to be Lavar Burton? Um, that's a really great question. Uh, who doesn't love Lavar? <laughs> you grew up on Reading Rainbow. <laughs> Um, well, I mean, I grew up, uh, I grew up watching Green Rainbow, I love Star Trek, um, and he's very sweet and accessible, and people, uh, people adore him, so, it's, it's, it just kind of organically became that, I, I don't really, it's, (laughs) I heard him on, I heard him on the Nerdist podcast Mm -hmm. a few years ago, when I had the concept in mind, and the concept was actually, um, it was it was actually uh, stalking Hugh Laurie at first, which is sort of random, I know. But at the time, I was talking <laughs> with a friend of mine when I came up with the concept, and I was like, Hugh Laurie, he's so sexy. Back when House was like really popular, and I um, I joked with her, I'd be like, we should go find him. He would totally love us, you know. And and then I thought, wouldn't that be a funny concept for like a sketch, you know? And then I ended up not doing it, and a couple of years went by, and one day I was listening to him being interviewed on the Nerdist podcast. And on the Nerdist podcast, he um, he said to Chris Hardwick that the thing about Geordie LaForge in Star Trek is that Geordie never gets the girl. And I was like, oh, well, that's easy. <laughs> we'll give you two crazy girls. There you go. You know, oh, okay. we'll, have them, um, we'll have them look at you like a pseudo-father figure. So... It's, hmm. it's not exactly they don't really have like a crush on him necessarily but um but it you know it's like it's like the, they both maybe have, if you watch you might discover that they have some male parent issues you, you know you know so you gotta check it out yeah yeah because you heard me go hmm because it started reminding me of what's happening on the show and the uh some yeah. of the parallels there yeah Ah. Right, like in episode six, it starts to kind of reveal itself as something. Kind of, like sort he, of. Mm-hmm, yeah, like it starts to propel. But it does, it takes its time. It's a bit of a slow burn, but, but not too slow because the episodes are short. <laughs> so. Yeah, well, well, do you think there'll be more musical episodes? Because you are still working on the musical within the story. That's so funny. Yeah, well, actually, in our season finale, there is music that we perform. It's not a musical, but it's. It's more of an open mic setting. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's funny because when I saw LeVar at Comic-Con uh, like a couple of weeks ago, he was like, you should do another musical episode. So he's watching. Like, okay. Yeah, yeah, he, he keeps an eye on it. Any, he does. any chance he'll be on the show at some point? Is that yeah, something you can't reveal? <laughs> you'll just have to stay tuned and, and, and see. Because I was going to ask if he knew about it. So obviously he knows about it, and he's a fan of it. That's great. He's very sweet. He's very sweet. I've gotten to know him, you know, better than I knew him before, which was not at all. So. Just from the Nerdist? You know, um, <laughs> from the podcast? 
Yeah, yeah. Like I, I had not met him when I came up with the concept. I knew people that knew him. I had met his daughter. Um, yeah, I mean, and I've explained it to him too. I just said, you know, it's it's, it's sort of like a, it's it's like a, a father figure situation. And I'm like, I don't know what it is about you. I said, but like when you're a kid, there's always people when you're when you're a child. I don't know if you remember this, but when you're a child, but there's people that come on TV sometimes that just make you stop and look. And he was always one. He kind of had like this certain soothing je ne sais quoi quality to him where you're just like, I can't look away. Like I actually, it, you know, there's some sort of comfort and peace with it. So <laughs> It comes through. It's kind of cheesy. Right. It doesn't matter if you're putting yeah, on a like character. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Like Mr. Rogers or, mm-hmm. you know, I mean like a lot of, a lot of different personalities like that. They come through. I mean, I even remember, who was it? George Burns, like, whenever he would come on TV when I was little, I'd be like, wow, who's that guy? You know, there's just something fascinating about and something soothing about LeVar Burton. And I told him that, and he was like, yeah, I don't know what it is. People say that to me a lot. It's so. just, just natural to some people. I know with, with George Burns, he always reminded me of the older uncle that, you know, winks at you while making the joke messing with you. You know, it's like he always, you know, always brought you in on the yeah, joke. Yeah, exactly, exactly, totally. Yeah. So, and and Lamar's just like your best friend. So many so, people listening have no idea who George Burns is. I know. I thought about that too. I thought it was just, I'm like, am I dating myself? No, it's reruns of George Burns. I don't know what. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, well, a lot of young people. I mean, you're you're young, and a lot of young people actually still don't don't know um, a lot of history like that, like. I'm I'm mm-hmm. in my 40s, but when I was when I was in my 20s, I still is still after the 60s and 50s. I still did, but I would find out who these people were. So you know, I I don't I don't know what I'm going with that, but it's just an observation there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just well, even you know, um, John Lennon for some reason had that quality about him. Yep. I remember as a child, and he he was long gone by the time I was paying attention to. To him, I was like, "Who is that?" You know, and my mom told me, and I was like, "Oh, I like him." You know, I remember thinking that. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, there's just I think that's you know in an entertainment, I think that's what people are always looking for in the industry is like someone who has that kind of personality that sort of draws people in. So yeah, that's that's why Levar. I thought you know he's going to be hopefully okay with this. <laughs> right, right. Um, well, was there a concern? Like, I was right. Was there a concern? Yeah, I, I'll, give an I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. I don't mean to cut you off, I'm, but but like, okay. people might be upset with you that you're doing this and as a funny joke thing when there's people who really get stalked in real life. That that's my concern. Right. Yeah. And I think you know it's just a matter of the, the reason that the show is called Stalking of Our is because it's a catchy title that hopefully makes people go, "What's that?" You know. But it's it's. It, there's always a fine line between comedy and tragedy and, you know, real stalking is not okay. Right. I don't, I don't support that. Obviously (laughs) this is definitely fiction. It's, you know, it's sort of bringing certain issues to light. Um, one of them actually being like like racism, especially early on in the, in the first season too. Oh, I wasn't um, sure you were going to say anything about that. I, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, no, it like it's definitely there's a message about that. I I think that people people don't always pay attention, you know, and then they come up with excuses as to why, you know, and commit to brave face blindness like monkeys, like <laughs> right, right. Well, you know, I, and 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 it's all it's all innocently sort of 
a lot of times people don't even know that they're doing it. So definitely, like, there's a joke about it, you know, about how how we don't really look at what's right in front of us. A good, bit, and, a good bit of ignorance, too, yes. Yeah, definitely, and we all have it, everyone. Unfortunately, you know? so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, we're, you know, hopefully, I, I like to think as a race, we are growing, <laughs> as, like, the human race, meaning, like, as a as a whole. Well, we're fighting for it. We're fighting for that growth right now. Yeah, I, <laughs> I believe, I believe in us. I believe in us. I think that there's still good out there. So. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, how did we how did we go off on that? Because <laughs> uh, the black guys are like LeVar Burton. Right. Yeah. Which they like nothing like you know. It's just that's the joke, right? Right. So, I mean, but it's also the fact that these girls just aren't living their lives. They're not paying attention to what's happening. They're, you know, they're they're in their little hazy world, their little LeVar land. Well, where well, they feel safe. And then second season gets into more of the why. Why do they feel safe there? Why don't they feel safe in reality? What's the reason? Yeah, well, clearly. Uh, clearly, uh, you can see from the beginning to end, is these two girls, as crazy as they are, they're, they're harmless. They're, and there's tons of people. Right. Um, right. For, for everyone, that's, you know, there's stalkers out there that are dangerous, crazy freakazoids. But mm-hmm. <laughs> there's tons of people like these two girls in Stalk and LeVar that are harmless, that have a hard time finding their way of of, of uh, interacting or trying to interact. So this is an interesting dynamic, uh, dynamic. And Yeah, and I've experienced, you know, in my life, like, you know, a level of celebrity obsession when I was a child, but nothing to that degree. Just kind of like, oh, if they only knew me, they would love me. And, you know, that sort of thing where you just kind of, you kind of ab- allow yourself to be absorbed in this fantasy world of what would it be like if I met this person and, you know, we were friends or we were together or, you know, <laughs> I think people, I, I don't know if that happens with everyone, but I know in, in my young life I felt, there were times I felt lost and I was just searching for a way um, to maybe escape or, or feel validated and dream about it, you know. And, um, but, you know, you, you, you kind of write what you know. I, I never did anything like what's in, hey. in, in the show ever. But um, and nor did I ever think of doing anything like that. Sit outside the coffee shop. I'm, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I just mostly just thought it was funny. No, it was, so, it was great. Um, uh, what color is your dream? No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to start off with namaste. I'm sorry about that. I missed that. Namaste. Um, namaste. Yes, yes. Um, what is your favorite stalking LeVar episode, Heidi? Oh, it's so hard. They're like, it's my baby. Like, right. You know Picking what. your favorite child. One of, I can list a few of my favorite ones to, let's see. Okay. So, obviously the musical is like pretty, pretty amazing, pretty, because of Ryan. And so for effect. Production for value. Oh, boy. What, yeah, for production value, for what we were trying to achieve, it is definitely a favorite. And then um, for for writing and then executing it with the editor, my favorite is episode, season two, episode four, because of all the different, like, facets of it sort of intercut and coming together and then the music. And I loved putting that together with the editor. Episode and I loved writing four. that. Is this where you're talking to the psychiatrist? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. 
it's when I it's when I tell them off. Yeah. Know? Like there's this, it it starts because that's when the ball starts really rolling when you're starting you're really starting to see like something else is going on here. Yeah, she's frustrated um, and angry. Like. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah, and then I love the one with the family because you know with with her family because it, it reveals a little more and it's just it's sweet, it's emotional. And then I really, really liked the most recent one with David Blue. I don't know who David Blue is, but he's, he's awesome. He was, you know, most people know him from Stargate Universe or Ugly Betty. And um, he's oh, yeah. Megan's twin brother, Mason. And he, that's episode eight. And that one's just very sweet. And also... Is that the one with Mr. LeVar, the cat? Yes. Oh, okay. Mr. Meow Barberton. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's so pretty that's good. Really, as you can see, it's really tough for me to choose one my, my favorite. Like I just I can't. It's I love all of them equally and in different ways. There's a lot of good like ones. It's, it's, thank you, thank you so much. We have amazingly talented people working on this. So I'm curious. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I, it's so funny. I've done a, a bunch of these interviews now. I'm, I am fairly new, but I rarely ever cut people off as much as I've been doing it today. I'm so sorry, Heidi. Oh, I talk too much. <laughs> if I don't talk, I'll never get this interview going. <laughs> no, no, you're not. You're not um, cutting me off. I think you know phones often have a little bit of a delay. Possibly talking on the phone. Nice cover. Okay. Thanks for the save. Um, yeah, <laughs> the um, I can't remember what I was going to ask you. No, <laughs> You're talking about Mr. Lavar. You're talking. Oh yeah. So what, you, there's been obviously a bit of a struggle just financially because you have such great talent. You guys have been raising money yes. to be able to finish and complete the second season and make it what it is. Um, yes. Are there plans and hopes to do more seasons, or is there is there going to be like a, a finale kind of thing where it just ends? We are um, definitely going to do one more thing after this season is over. Uh, I'm still working on developing the concept. I haven't decided if it's going to be episodes or if it's going to be like a, a longer um, short film that will conclude everything but we're developing it I've got a couple of writers that I'm actually consulting because I, I want to bring in new ideas as well and and uh but but there's definitely going to be more after this season is over yeah um figuring out figuring it out financially is always a challenge but you know I'm stubborn when I put my mind to something I usually get it done <laughs> that's awesome no i like to go because this this whole thing had a, a whole theme behind it you didn't you decided not to just go make my own series produce my own series write and star in you went with let's make this mean something and you made it mean a uh, woman in in entertainment women uh a uh, woman making their own business making themselves Oh, right. Yeah, the company, Dweeb Darlings. Yeah, like we're very much about female-driven content, female creators. Um, we work with men. We're just trying to add a little more balance into the industry because we're lacking a little bit in that. And I think there's a lot of potential out there of female directors, for example, that we don't really get to experience a lot of. And hopefully, I, I, I hope in the future we'll see more of that. There's you know, a lot of times female roles aren't very complicated. They're not very layered. Um, you know, it's getting better. I, like I said, I believe, I believe in the human race. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that we're, I think we're growing. I think that that the only thing we can do is grow, and hopefully, we're 
self-aware and um, try to do the best that we can. Um, but yeah, like women, I, I, I want to stress the fact that we have so many wonderful men that work with us and, and work on this, this project and, and projects that will be upcoming as well and other ones that we're doing. So it's not that we're like just, just guys, you know, I mean, just right. girls, no guys. It's not like that. Um, but but we, we definitely want to encourage women out there to believe in themselves and to have examples of that. Um, maybe maybe a young girl sees, sees an episode or something and says, oh, well, this was written and created and directed by a woman. Like, maybe I can do that too. And sometimes that's all you need is like a little push. You know, I like I said before, like I wasn't really a writer when I first started working on this and I still am learning about writing but Megan all she really did was give me a little nudge you know like we worked on a couple of scripts together and then after that I just kind of started doing it myself sometimes that's all you need mm-hmm. you know and, and hopefully like I mean I definitely consult her and I consult other people and I'm like how's this work what do you do with structure you know because I'm still learning hopefully I'll never stop but, but yeah women in film I think there's a movement in Hollywood about that too so. No, I like it. I like it because your call when you when you bring up this cause, and you're welcome. When you bring up this cause and you do this, uh, you do it what I would consider the right way. And not that I'm one to say okay. what's right or wrong. It's just that I've been talking for a long time. Like I I I talk um, about how wrong things are that happen against women in, in, in as far as equality and black people and gay people and everything else. And um, I talk about being part of the solution and not part of the problem. And a lot of times I find the way we go about fighting for our causes sometimes is more of a detriment than a help. And the way you present what you're doing is very positive. And it's a way that anybody and everybody can get behind. So I do appreciate that. And I'm totally behind the Wee Darlings and think you guys are going to do greatness. Thank you so much. That's so lovely and nourishing to hear. Um, yeah, we have a lot of great people working with us. I mean, it's definitely important to all of us, to myself, to Megan, to Stephanie. To, we've, we've brought on a couple of more women to our team. We've got a new editor, um, Casey Ross, and a line producer, Mary Evans, who also played one of my sisters in uh, the, the episode with my family. So it's, it's growing, and, and it means a lot to us if, if we are able to bring the message across in a positive way, of course. Like, we want, we want, uh, other big thing with us is treating one another with kindness and compassion. Like, that's a big deal. So, you know. Absolutely. All right, so that was the beautiful and wonderful Heidi Cox Part 1. Part 2, we get more into what happened when he went to Comic-Con. They actually had a panel, and also next week, don't miss 10 questions as well. Uh, it gets a little bit deep, so you don't want to miss that. That's next week. But now, that about sums it up. I'm getting down to the sum of this. The sum of that. The sum of everything. Come, Come. Yeah.